0: welcome ladies to the online Bible study well we have finally reached the final lesson of first Peter as we begin we are going to be looking at first Peter chapter 5 verses 5 through 14 over the course of our study our lives have been transformed as Peter exhorted us to live godly lives through walking in hope walking in holiness walking in harmony and walking in submission Notice each one of these start with walking. Living godly lives takes work. And Peter has exhorted us of how we are to live. We are not to just sit back and think everything will work out. Now this is what Satan wants us to think. Because he doesn't want us to grow in our spiritual walk with God. But we are to stand firm. Peter wanted us to be prepared for the fiery trials that come our way. In these last verses of chapter five, he gave three important admonitions to obey if we were to glorify God in this difficult experience. The first is to be humble, as we will see in verses five through seven. The second, be watchful, as we'll see in verses eight through nine. And then the last is be hopeful, as we will see in verses 10 through 14. So let's begin with the first admonition. Be humble. And let's read verses 5 through 7. It says, Likewise you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you here Peter is continuing his admonition of walking in submission he says you younger people submit yourselves to your elders yes all of you be submissive to one another now there's a lot of opinions as to who Peter is talking about here Every commentator I looked at had a different answer, a different view of who Peter is talking about. They were mainly divided over whether Peter was referring to those who held the church office of elder, which would make sense because we just studied verses 1-4 through and that was talking about how to be a good shepherd, a good leader. And then maybe the younger would be the body of the church as opposed to the age where the younger people were to submit to the older. I consulted with Pastor Ken Wooded to get an opinion of what he said and he basically said that both of these views could be put together to form the opinion. The first view would be that Peter is still talking about the elders referring to the church leadership As the body of the church, we are to submit to the leadership of the elders, just like a a child-parent relationship. The child respects the parent, right? Well, the parent is the authority, and they feed the child. Well, the elder or pastor is the church leader, and he feeds the flock the word of God. As well as showing respect to the church leadership, we should also show respect to those older than us. Now, this doesn't mean that just because they are older, that they are more spiritually mature. There can be younger people who are more spiritually mature, but the younger are still to show respect to those who are older than they are. Peter here is continuing his theme of right relationships for the purpose of glorifying God in a hostile environment. In previous chapters, Peter exhorted us, as employer-employee relationships we are to submit to each other right as well as husband and wife government and authority and the church body we are to serve in unity to glorify God well in every aspect of our lives we have seen how submission plays a part so not only are we to submit to our elders as it says here in verse 5 but we are also to submit to one another and be clothed in humility. All believers are to acknowledge, respect, and honor each other. Now the phrase be clothed in verse 5 means to gird oneself with an apron. It is a picture of what Jesus did in the upper room when he girded himself with an apron and assumed the role of a servant and washed the feet of the disciples. Jesus, the Son of God, and sovereign majesty of the universe, actually clothed himself with the apron of humility and served the disciples. Now the word humility means to offer oneself as lowly and submissive, to walk in a spirit of loneliness. Now it's the opposite of thinking that you're better than others, that you're prideful and arrogant. So we are told to clothe ourselves in humility. Now note further in the verse why we are to clothe ourselves in humility. It says that we are to clothe ourselves because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Pride. We all know what pride does in our lives, right? It was pride. A desire to be like God that stirred Eve to take the forbidden fruit in 1st John chapter 2 verse 16 it says for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world so the pride of life is an evidence of worldliness right the only antidote to pride is the grace of God. And we receive that grace when we yield ourselves to Him. Let's continue and look at verses six and seven. It says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Now notice here that Peter is saying that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in what in due time the key phrase here ladies is in due time God never exalts anyone until that person is ready for it Moses was under God's hand for 40 years before God sent him to deliver the Jews from Egypt Joseph was under God's hand for at least 13 years before God lifted him to the throne. In Luke chapter 14 verse 11, Christ says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Peter goes on to say, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Isn't it wonderful? Do we have a Savior that cares for us? Remember, as we have seen throughout this study, that at the time Peter is writing this, the Christians were suffering severe persecution. The word care here means anxiety or worry. When difficult times come, our way, it is so easy to worry or be anxious, isn't it? But listen to the words that Peter is saying here. Casting all your care upon him. Or casting all your anxiety, all your worry on him for he cares for you. We know that care means anxiety or worry. But notice it says all your anxiety or worries. Now the word all in the Greek text has the idea not of every worry that comes along but the whole of the worries. In other words, we are to give the whole of our cares, our anxieties, our worries to God. Think about a cold. With a cold, you may have a cough, a fever, congestion, sore throat, and maybe a runny nose. When you give the whole of the cold, you are giving everything of that cold. The cough, the fever, the congestion, the sore throat, the runny nose. You are not just giving a portion of it. You're not just giving the runny nose. You're not just giving the cough. If you're actually giving that cold to somebody else, you've got to give the whole thing. Otherwise, it's not considered the same. So we are to give our whole worry to God, not just little parts of it not just the symptoms of it, the whole. Peter is commanding us here to give the whole worry, and the result will be that when those worries come, we will not worry but cast them over to God. Now the word cast means having deposited with. It refers here to a direct once for all committal to God of all that would give us concern. It all comes down to knowing that God is in control. That's the the bare roots of it all. He knows what we're going through and promises to see us through. If anybody knew from experience that God cares for his own, it was Peter. When you read the four Gospels, you discover that Peter shared in some wonderful miracles. For instance, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law as we see in Mark chapter 1. He gave him a great catch of fish in the Gospel of Luke. He helped him pay his temple tax in Matthew, and he helped him walk on the water, also in Matthew. He repaired the damage he did to the ear of Malchus, as we see in Luke and in John, and even delivered Peter from prison as we see in Acts chapter 12 which leads us to our second admonition as we look at verses 8 and 9 the second admonition is to be watchful let's look at that it says be sober be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour resist him steadfast in faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world ladies peter is commanding us to be sober and vigilant in our christian walk as we walk with christ the devil is ready at a moment's notice to devour and destroy our testimony this is something that we should not take lightly we cannot let our guard down satan is powerful and can use our weakness to destroy us we need to respect the power of satan my husband and i used to have a whitewater rafting business and when i thought about how we need to respect the power of satan i thought about the river when we would do rafting trips i can remember looking at the river and seeing god's power you really had to respect the power of the river You needed to be prepared with the proper gear, know the terrain of the river, and know the group's limitations that you were going to be guiding down the river. If you didn't respect it, it would swallow you up and devour you. We must never underestimate Satan's abilities. We must stand firm in our Christian walk, making sure that we are continually in God's Word cultivating a relationship with God so that we will be able to detect when Satan tries to imitate and deceive us. Now the way you can recognize a counterfeit is to know what is genuine, right? When I worked at management at Bank of America we always taught our employees to examine a real bill so that when a counterfeit was presented, they would know the difference because they knew the genuine bill. Ladies, the more we are in the word of God, the more we are growing in our relationship with God, the more we know what is genuine so that when Satan tries to pass a counterfeit, we will know and turn away from it. Now sometimes as we go through the sufferings of trials, it feels as if we are the only one suffering but Peter encourages us in verses 9 that we are not alone in our adversity that our brothers and sisters in the world are going through the same sufferings let's look at that at the end of verse 9 it says knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by the brotherhood in the world ladies we must pray for each other and encourage each other to stand firm that our personal victories will help someone else going through that same trial, just as the personal victory of someone else helps us get through the suffering we are going through. Both Peter and James gave us the same formula for success. Look at James chapter four, verse seven. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now the third admonition is, To be hopeful let's read verses 10 through 14 it says but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ after you have suffered a while perfect establish strengthen and settle you to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen by Silvanus our faithful brother as I consider him I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you who are in Christ Jesus. Now there are two great resources here, his grace and his call to eternal glory. Everything that God does for us as Christians is because of His grace. Notice that the verse even called Him the God of all grace. Grace means favor, the favor of God. God favors us, therefore He blesses us. Every blessing we ever receive comes from the favor of God, even life itself. Our salvation is because of His grace, as we saw in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. He called us before we even called upon Him, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 2. We have tasted that the Lord is gracious, as it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 3. Ladies, as we submit to Him, He gives us the grace that we need. Turn to Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and then in Romans 5 verse 2 it says through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of all the glory of God which brings us to our second resource his call to eternal glory God wants us in heaven with him free from all sin dirt filth evil corruption and death of this world he has called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ this is the wonderful inheritance that we were born into remember back in chapter 1 verse 4 it said to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. The Christian life is not always easy. We will suffer. We will endure attacks from Satan. But we do know that in the end it leads to glory. And that is all that matters. To spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. Again, here is Peter exhorting us in verse 10 that our suffering is only for a little while as we saw back in chapter 1 verse 6 when we are suffering we often feel as though our pain will never end but Peter here again is encouraging us that in light of eternity where we will spend our lives with God living with him in heaven the suffering that we endure here on earth is only for a little while it's just a short time This suffering is molding our lives to be more Christ-like. It is so much easier to endure when we know it is only for a little while. Peter goes on to say that after you have suffered for a little while, God will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Let's look at the verse. It says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, perfect means to equip, to adjust, to fit together. The predominantly idea in the verb is adjustment, the putting of parts into right relationship and connection with one another. It is the same word translated perfecting That we see in Ephesians 4 verse 12 where the gifted servants of the Lord mentioned were given to the church for the equipping of the Saints for ministering work the word was also used of James and John mending their nets thus equipping them for service as we see in Mark chapter 1 here the word refers to God mending the lives of Christians thus equipping them for usefulness in his service now the word here in First Peter speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit in rounding out the spiritual life of the saint so that he is equipped for both the living of the Christian life and the service of the Lord Jesus. Establish means to fix firmly, to set fast. We should not be unsteady in our stance for God. We need to stand firm resist the devil resist the temptations if we are established then our feet are firmly planted on the word of god we will not be moved by persecution or led away by false doctrine and then we have strengthen well strengthen means just that god's strength given to us to meet the demands of our life philippians 4:13 says i can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And last we have settle. Now settle means to secure as in a foundation, to ground with security. God is able to make us secure through all the sufferings of life, no matter what they are. He is able to settle and secure our nerves, our thoughts and fears, all the uneasy and unnerving emotions that disturb us. God can settle us if we will only do one thing, and that is resist the devil and turn near to God. God uses all the trials and temptations, the difficulties and persecutions, all of the sufferings of life, and uses them to adjust our character. He will perfect us, fit us all, to the parts of our life together and lead us to glory. This is the glorious grace of the call of God to eternal glory. Now in thinking about all that God has done for us, Peter, he couldn't help himself. He just breaks out into praise as we see in verse 11. It says, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. And then in verses 12 through 13 are the final greetings Of the letter of 1st Peter Peter has completed his exhortation and is about to close his letter so it is now time to spend greeting those who are with him it says by Silvanus our faithful brother as I consider him I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand she who is in Babylon elect together with you Greets you and so does Mark my son and now in verse 14 Peter closes his letter it says greet one another with a kiss of love peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus amen greet one another with a kiss of love now the kiss of love was a cultural form of greeting that the Christians used for one another of the Roman Empire and is still prevalent in many of the Middle Eastern cultures today now keep in mind that the men kissed the men and the women kissed the women. It was an expression of love and unity among the believers. That by doing this simple act, they would be reminded that they did not stand alone. And they would be encouraged by the expression of oneness and brotherly love. There are four other times in scripture that it is mentioned to greet one another with a holy kiss. One is Romans sixteen sixteen. Then the next is 1 Corinthians 16:20, 2 Corinthians 13:12, and then there's 1 Thessalonians 5:26. Peter had opened his letter in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 with a greeting of peace, and now he closes with a benediction of peace. He is encouraging us in the midst of persecution by praying for peace which is abundantly available to all who are in Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. This Prince of Peace gives us a peace that is far more than merely a feeling of serenity. It is an inner peace imparted to the believer as he walks with the Lord in fellowship and dependence on the Holy Spirit. This promise emanates from Christ himself on the last night before he was crucified let's look over at John chapter 14 and look at verse 27 it says peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid ladies we can have this inward peace as we walk with God today Throughout this study, we have had times of tears, times of laughter, and times of conviction. Peter has shown us how to live godly lives through walking in hope, walking in holiness, walking in harmony, and walking in submission. This confident hope gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for a daily living. It does not put us in a rocking chair where we are complacently awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace on the battlefield where we keep on going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. Every follower of Jesus Christ can live every moment of every day with hope if they remember three important truths. First, life on earth is temporary. Our home is in heaven. Peter reminds us over and over again throughout 1 Peter that we are strangers in this world, that this life is not all there is. When you really concentrate on the fact that this is just temporal, it helps to endure whatever may come your way in this life. Second, God uses adversity in this life to strengthen our faith. Peter reminds us that we will suffer grief in all kinds of trials, yet we can still have hope because God never wastes a hurt. He uses them to strengthen us and that we can in turn maybe help someone else else's going through that same trial. Peter encourages us to stand firm even though we are going through adversity, that God would be glorified through our lives. And then third, the end of all things is near. Ladies, we are living in the end days, which should make us want to live every day for Christ, making every moment count for eternity. These truths that Peter reminds us of throughout First Peter should act as a powerful source of hope every day of your life. When we focus on Christ, we can overcome and God will transform suffering into glory. Peter has given us a precious letter that encourages us to hope in the Lord no matter how trying the times may be. Down through the centuries the churches have experienced various fiery trials and yet Satan has not been able to destroy it. The church today is facing a fiery trial and we must be prepared. But, whatever may come, Peter is still saying to each and every one of us, be hopeful. The glory is soon to come. I've enjoyed doing this study with you. Until another time, God bless.